We're starting a a brand new three-week series today, and uh, through the course of this study, we're going to the, the series. We're going to be looking at, at three people that I think they're, they're easy to overlook. Uh, they're people that kind of are in the background, and we look at you know sometimes look at people like this that we're going and we just we're like oh you know I don't know if I can learn anything from them. I don't really know anything about them, and so we're we're going to look at them. And I think that in doing so, like I think it's going to stretch us. I think it's going to stretch our faith. I think it's going to challenge our, some of our preconceived ideas. Uh, and I, and I, ultimately, throughout each week, I, I, it's going to invite us to, to really to, to be faithful, just as God is faithful. So if you have your Bibles or you got one from in the back, uh, turn with me to John chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 1 through 13. And so if you grab a Bible from the back, it's page 728. And you'll just, we're going to, verse by verse, we're going to walk through this. So I'm going to read the whole thing first, and then we're going to walk through it together. So you'll, you'll just need it open um, on your lap um, throughout our time together. So John writes, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he had already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with small five barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And when I read this, I don't know about you, but I, I read a story where, about people who were completely inadequate to meet the needs of this hungry, hungry crowd. And it's a story about the all-sufficiency of Jesus. Now, this is the... This is the only miracle that is described in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Spurgeon writes this, it's in all four Gospels so that we won't forget how much the Lord can do with little things that are yielded to him. I love that. How much the Lord can do with little that is yielded to him. And so what, we're going to just walk through verse by verse and, and talk about this and, and look for God's faithfulness and what it means for us as we read it together. So verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. Okay, so to so give you a little bit of context about where we are in the story here. So we're about two years into Jesus' ministry. And so even if you just go one, maybe one page in front of this one to, to John chapter 5, verse 1. We're told there at the beginning of that chapter that it was the, the time of the Feast of the Jews. Right? And for us, we, we don't go by the Jewish calendar. So you know, to kind of give you some context of time, right? So we, 
Chapter 5 was, was the time of the Feast of the Jews, and now we're talking about it's almost the Passover. In other words, about four or five months have transpired right between, in, this, in one verse. Right? And, and so in that time, Jesus has sent out the 12 disciples. He, he has, you know, the, John the Baptist has been beheaded by, by Herod, and Jesus is, has been healing people left and right. And so we just, if you read through chapter 5, you just sense that like, there's this busyness for the disciples. Right? They're, just, they're meeting the needs of the people all around them. That, and there, it even says there were times when they didn't even have time to eat. Anybody in your busyness, right? Yeah. That's where they were. That's where they were emotionally and spiritually and physically and maybe even relationally. They were exhausted. So Jesus says, hey, let's, let's slip away. Let, let's go to someplace quiet for some much-needed rest to reconnect to our Heavenly Father. But then he goes on in verse 2. John writes, And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Well, so much for that quiet rest. Right? And so these people, they're not following Jesus because they recognized him as the, the Son of God who came to take away the sins of the world. No, they, like, some of them they're following because like, it's a show. They've seen all these things that Jesus has done, these miracles that he's performed. They're like, let's go see what he's going to do next. And others are following him because they want that miracle and they need that miracle. Then John goes on in verses 3 and 4. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. Now stay with me for a second, because I think there, there might be an underlying parallel that John is trying to write about here. See, I think John is trying to connect some dots for us. And so he's talking about Jesus going up on this mountainside, right? And, and he's tying in Passover. And, and it's like, the people who are, he's writing to, the Jews, they, they would have understood, like, wait, maybe this is a reference to Moses, Right? Moses led the people out of Egypt and, and after, what, the Passover. And then he went up on a mountainside to receive the Ten Commandments. And then God used Moses to, to feed the, the, the crowd of, of Israelites bread from manna from heaven. And so I don't think that he's trying to say, hey, Jesus, you know, just like I want you to think about the, the connection and connect the dots between this. I think what he's doing is he's like, hey, you all know the story of Moses. You know all that very, very well. And this Jesus, he is, he is a new, he is the, a better Moses that has come to us. That Jesus actually, he is the fulfillment of what Moses pointed to. Look at Deuteronomy 18, 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. From among your, from your fellow Israelites, you must listen to him. So Jesus is the fulfillment of, of what even Moses was pointing to in the future. And, and, and uh, like God, I mean, Jesus, he's fully God, right? He's fully God, fully man. He could have called down manna from heaven in this moment and fed, fed this multitude of people. But he didn't. Why? Because I think that Jesus wanted to teach his disciples and, and us reading it in the 21st century some, some very important lessons. So let's keep reading, verses 5 to 7. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. 
Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Now, come on. We, we know that, that Philip had really, he had no interest whatsoever of going and buying bread for all these people. This is, this is a test for, for all of the disciples. It just happens that, that Philip is the first one to respond. Because, uh, come on, there, there, was, there was no grocery store back then. I mean, I, if I put, you know, I like to put myself into, you know, to the situation, to the story. Like, I, I would love to, to walk into Shop and Save and run into Ray Charlie, right? And be like, hey, Ray, I need food. I need bread for 5,000 guys. And, well, they've also brought their wives and their kids. So more like 15,000 people, right? Can you imagine the look on his face? Actually, I think you'd probably be excited because he, he cares about taking care of people and alleviating food insecurity. And that's, that's something that they had in that moment. Right? So this whole scene is just playing out before these disciples and, and for us to see. And what do I think that Jesus wants us to see? That this, this problem doesn't have a human solution. It's beyond us. Have you ever gotten yourself into a place where you're like, man, this is beyond me. This is beyond something I can understand or fix or work out. You know, a time when you were faced with a challenge or a problem that you're like, I, I just can't come up with a resolution to this. And I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, just, and I think that we find ourselves so often trying to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. If it's up to me, it's, if it's got to be, it's up to me kind of mentality. And, and we do exactly what Philip did here in this situation. He's like, hey, well, I need to solve this problem. And what did Philip do? He went, he went right for money, right? And so the version I read, it said that it would take more than half a year's wages. The Greek says 200 denarii, right? This is, this is a huge amount of money. Right? And so what does Philip do? He, he calculates the cost, and he can quickly concludes, like, this is a problem that can't be met. It's impossible for us. And in the version in Matthew chapter 14, actually the, the disciples said, hey, Jesus, just send these people home so they can take care of their own hunger. You know, I read this, and I'm like, God, forgive us for the Philip that is in all of us. You know, Philip, he's, he's tested in this moment. Frankly, he, he failed. Because his, his worldview wasn't based on, on what Jesus could do, but only what he could do. How often do we do that? How do we often do we give up in what seems to be an insurmountable thing that's before us? How, how many times do we do? We calculate the cost and just, and we just, it's all based on our inadequate resources. But then another disciple comes on the scene. Look at verses 8 and 9. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go with so many? And honestly, I mean, I, just, I, I really, I want to give Andrew credit here. I really do. Like, I, and, and this isn't in the Bible, but I'm just, I play this out of my head. Like, maybe, what, what's going through Andrew's mind at this moment Maybe he's thinking, oh, Jesus, I saw you turn jugs of water into wine. I saw you heal a royal official's son without even being near him. I saw you heal a man who hadn't been able to walk for 38 years with just a word. Maybe, maybe Jesus, he can, 
can feed this multitude of people with this, from this little boy's lunch. Right? And, and so like, but even as I, as I think about this and I read this and I'm, I want Andrew to be, you know, kind of the hero of this and he's rescuing the situation or whatever, but then, like, and then I read it again and I read it again and I, and I start looking at the words that are actually used by Andrew in describing the situation to Jesus. Did you notice that, that, that there's an emphasis of, of just like smallness? Right, here's a small boy. That's, that's the, the little translation there. And how does he describe the lunch? It's, it's small bread and small fish. So even as Andrew is describing what he found with this little boy, right, he's using leading language with Jesus. And so there's just this overwhelming sense that, that of, of inadequacy to meet people's needs. It's like at the end, how far will this go anyways? And so the, the ray of hope in this story is this little boy who brings forth his lunch. He offered what he had. He, he didn't know what Jesus was going to do. He saw the crowd, but he's still willing. He entrusted Jesus with what he had. Now, there's a little boy in our, our church, a young boy in our church, uh, who attends the Crossroads campus. His name is Liam Bitts. Even as a, a fifth grader, he, he decided he was going to take a risk and and trusting God's faithfulness and doing something he felt like God was leading him to do. We've got to share his story with you today. So watch this video. My name is Liam Bitts. I'm 10 years old. And um, I'm in fifth grade and I go to Maxwell Elementary. When I was talking to my dad in the car, we were talking about going over scripture. So I was thinking about doing this Bible study at school. So I had my Bible, I had a couple devotionals. So I went to school, got a group of friends and we went to the back room and I printed out some um, Bible verses and we started going over them. Miss Debbie gave me this book, Make Waves by Ellen Moore. It's a devotional and me and my friends go over it. Each day we do like an activity and read over it. My dad told me that when you touch someone with the love of God, it plants a seed in their heart so the Holy Spirit can um, move with them. I did get a little afraid, but then when I started asking people, it was much easier. Like a lot of people were like, hey, I don't go to church, but who cares? There's always been a smile on their face and they, they loved it. Even if we have nine, even if we have two, even if we have one, it's still fun. I hope that by the end of the year, I get at least four people kids to come to um, Charter Oak. I see it as an opportunity because in elementary school, there's one class and you get that opportunity because in middle school, there's not gonna be a lot of opportunity to, to opportunities to do this. Very fun and I get all my chances that I can to show the love of God to everybody.
Talk about a boy trusting the faithfulness of God. How, how many of you have a goal to, re, to bring four people to church with you this year? Like, that's a, like, wow. I mean, it's just like, it, it's like, it was easy once I started asking people. I'm like, oh my gosh. Right? Oh, that we'd have the faith of a little kid, right? Wow. He wasn't putting his, his own stuff and his own inadequacies on it. He was just trusting God to work in him and through him. What about you and me? The story goes on in verses 10 and 11. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There's plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. Something now has changed. The testing of the disciples is over. Jesus has really proven his point, as described in John 15, 5. When he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Would you read that, that last phrase with me? Come on. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I see, Jesus is all sufficient to meet our needs. In fact, Jeremiah prayed in Jeremiah 32, 17, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arms. Read that last sentence with me. Nothing is too hard for you. So can't you just see the, the sovereign hand of Jesus over this whole thing, this whole situation? Andrew and Philip and really all the disciples, they, they, all they could see was just the, the inadequacy of their ability. But as soon as Jesus steps into the forefront, John's language, it changes. Do you see it? It says there, there, was, there was plenty of grass for people to sit. There was much bread and as much fish as people wanted. And so as, as I read over this, and you know, as I invite you to read over this, there's some things that, that I just I see about Jesus. First of all, he, he's in control. Right? At the beginning, John writes that, that Jesus already had in mind what he was going to do. He, he's not surprised. When all those thousands of people showed up, Jesus wasn't like, oh no, what are we going to do? No, completely in charge. Right? And, and, and really, I mean, he, 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 he's, he, let's just be honest. He's not seeking bread from Philip. He's seeking faith. The same is for you and me. Second, I, I see that he, he really genuinely cares for the multitudes. As we, we saw in, in, Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew, the disciples said, hey, saw the problem by sending everybody away. Right, but and, and truth be told, I mean, these guys, they're worn out, they're exhausted, they're just, the busyness has caught up with them, they need a break, and so they see these people's hunger as just really, as a nuisance. We need time alone, we need time away. But Jesus cares for each one of them, not only just for their, their physical needs, but for their spiritual needs as well. And then third, we see that Jesus isn't limited by our resources. When, when Philip says, hey, it would take a half a year of, of someone's salary, right, to, to be able to buy enough bread for everybody to get a bite, right? G, you know, like, he's, he's, Jesus isn't surprised by this. He, he didn't say, oh, well, if that's the case, then, then let's just make sure that everybody just, let's, we're all going to share. 
not what he says. Right? When Andrew asked, you know, how far the, the, the bread and the fish would go, he, he didn't say, you know, hey, come on, let's, we'll, we'll figure this out. No. There was no sense of, of limitation here. Right? Because he knew he had more than enough. Watchman Nee writes these words. The meeting of need is not dependent on the supply in hand, but on the blessing of the Lord resting on the supply. That's our Jesus. And finally, he, he abundantly supplies. You know, as I, as I read this passage and, and the result of Jesus giving thanks, I was, I was struck by a word. It was a word that I wasn't expecting that John would write down, and that word was wanted. Right? I expected Jesus to say needed, right? because that's generally kind of, hey, God will provide for every one of your needs. I mean, that's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 8. Right? And God will bless you is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. But the word that John uses to describe this isn't need. It's wanted. You know, when, when Jesus turned the water into wine, it was the best wine at the wedding feast. And the generosity of Jesus here to these people who, who obviously they didn't come for salvation, really, but the fulfillment of their needs in their belly, they got so much more than they knew. Which leads to the last part, verses 12 and 13. And they all had, all they had, and when they had all had, can't read this. When they all had, why am I messing up this? I have no idea. Just read the words, Chris. When they, when they had all, when they, <laughs> Josiah, you want to come and read this? You see it up there. All right. When they, when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, thank you. <laughs> Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And so I read this, I'm like, this, you know, people, they, they followed him looking for a miracle. They followed him looking for a trick or something. What would they do next? They all came hungry in their bellies. Really, this is about people having the opportunity to leave with spiritual satisfaction. It comes when we feed on him who is called the bread of life. Later in John chapter 6, verse 35, it says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You know, I think today so many people come to Jesus because they, they need physical healing, they need a job, they to solve a problem or a relational rift. And, and, and Jesus, he, he solves that. He, he heals and he, he takes care of those needs many times. But I think Jesus wants us to see that, that every one of us has, has a deeper need. We need to be reconciled to our holy God. And Jesus provides the only way for that to happen by giving himself on Calvary's cross. No matter like, how, how big or small you, you think your sin is, I'm telling you on the authority of God's word that Jesus is more than sufficient to forgive your sin and to give you eternal life through faith in Jesus. And so here, here, here's what I want you to wrestle with today. 
You know, Jesus, Jesus doesn't accomplish these miracles without human involvement. I mean, yes, he could have snapped his finger and that water would have turned into wine immediately. But instead, he invited people to fill the jars with water first. Jesus could have have made the the fish jump into the boat whenever he called the disciples. But no, he said, put your, your nets down on the other side. And then they brought in the fish. Right? And, and so this story begins with Jesus telling his disciples to, to feed these people. But he knows they could never do it apart from him. See, the, the supernatural activity of God doesn't eliminate human involvement. It, it elevates our gifts, resources, and ability to accomplish things that we never could have done on our own efforts. So what are we going to do? Like, what are we going to do about the multitudes of people in this region that have desperate needs? You know, there's something like 33,000 people within a five-mile radius of our campus that don't have a church home or who don't have a relationship with Jesus. I mean, these are people in our circles of influence, people we do life with at work or at school, you know, in our community. Maybe it's a spouse or a family member or a neighbor. These are people we know and care about and love. You know, and just... What does it look like, you know, to to take our gifts and our talents and really our money and and partner up with with God in order to do something that we never could have done on our own? What's it going to take for us to be like that that ordinary boy who who gave his ordinary lunch to Jesus and to, to the bread of life, who did something extraordinary with it? And maybe you think, well, I I really I don't have much to give. But, but what if Lee and Bits had said that? Oh, I'm just, I'm just a fifth grader. You know, like I, I, once I, you know, graduate from high school and college and go to seminary, then I can start having a Bible study and telling people about Jesus. No. He didn't wait. What if Moses would be like, well, all I have is a simple shepherd's staff. How can I lead the people of Israel to freedom? You know, what, what would happen if David was like, oh, I'm just, I'm just a, a teenage boy. He never would have put a stone in, in, in that sling and, and killed Goliath. What would a manger have been used as the bed for Emmanuel? What would a Roman cross be the vehicle that delivers grace to our world? Come on, how are you limiting God's ability to, to work in your life for his glory and for our good? You know, man, some of you, you know, let's just be honest. Some of you haven't really, truly tasted that Jesus as, as the bread of your life, the bread of life to, to give you eternal life. And so you come today and, and your primary need isn't for Jesus to heal you or restore your marriage or find a spouse or a job. He can do those things, but that's not your primary need today. Your primary need today is to come to Jesus for eternal life. And I want, to, I want to invite you to make that decision today to put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Because come on, you, you will never, I will never be good enough to earn it. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. But then there's some of you today that are here that, that you have put your faith, you've put your trust in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. And, and really, your, your primary need today is really to, to, to be like that little boy in our story or, or like Liam Bits, right? To, that, like, 
to stop seeing that all we have is just so small, that, that it's not even worth it. To just see, like, I've got to take care of this all myself. I've got to do this all on my own. And for some of you, like, it's, you're, you're clutching to your finances. And you're thinking, no, there will never be enough. There will never be enough. There will never be enough. And you need to entrust God with your finances. And some of you, you, you you've given yourself to, 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 to crazy busyness. And you just go and you go and you go and, and you've filled your schedule so full that there's no way that you would ever have time to make a difference in people's lives at our church by serving. And maybe your, your greatest need today is to, to, to look at your life and, and get some margin in it so you can make a difference in God's kingdom in our church. How are you? How am I? Limiting God's work in our lives for his glory and our good. Because remember, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. So this morning, we're, we're going to close with communion. And finally, we, we're at the place where we've we got all the stuff so we don't have to do the tearing off of the top thing. Praise God. That was good for a while. But, I mean, so you're, you're going to receive a piece of bread today. And it's not meant to fill your stomach. You're going to receive a small cup of juice, and it's not meant to quench your thirst, your physical thirst. It means so much more. It's a reminder of the all-sufficiency of Jesus. It points to the cross. It points to God's grace. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you that for the faith of a, of a boy 2,000 years ago that was willing to offer what he had that you could do what only you could do, God. We thank you for a young boy in our church who said yes to having a Bible, a Bible study in his school, God. Regardless of what everybody else said around him, he, he just followed you. And because of your faithfulness to him, he was able to be faithful to you.